0: And we're back with episode 21 of Dog Football Weekly. It's your host, Reed, with co-host, Russ. And today, folks, very special guest, former UGA punter, Mr. Drew Butler. Mr. Drew, how you doing today?
1: Reed and Russ, what's up, boys? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing pretty
0: doing well. Good. Well, Russ, you start us off.
2: We're going to start off with a pretty heavy hit question here. Obviously. What you got? You played for Georgia. What is your favorite moment playing as a Bulldog?
1: Man, that's a great question. Um, a lot of good memories. You know, Unfortunately, back when I was there, we were not as good as they are now. Uh, what's going on in Athens is obviously really special. and Back-to-back national championships is just unprecedented. It's been really fun to be back in the Atlanta and Athens area and follow along with the team. But when we were there, you know, we made it back to the SEC championship for the first time in a while. That was 2011, uh, and that was after a pretty rough season in 2010 when we had lost our bowl game. Uh, we finished the season six and seven. I was going into my senior year the next year, and we actually lost the first two games mm. of the 2011 season. We lost to Boise State in those red Power Ranger jerseys and the Georgia Dome Chick-fil-A kickoff classic game. Yes, sir. And then we lost to South Carolina. So we started off the season 0-2, uh, and then we won 10 straight games, and we won the SEC East. In the middle of that 10-game stretch, we beat Tennessee in Knoxville, and it was Coach Rick's 100th victory at Georgia. That, that was a lot of fun. It was a night game in Knoxville. Uh, we took care of them pretty good. It got a little tight like late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, but we were able to put the game away. Uh, we had a pretty special celebration for Coach Rick afterwards as well. Uh, and that was uh, always still a really special moment for me, was being on that
0: team and being a senior when Coach Rick got his 100th victory at Georgia. Yes, sir. Well, I got a question for you. I just want to know, what was it like playing under head coach Mark Rick?
1: Coach Rick's the best, man. Um, still talk to him to this day. You know, He came to my wedding. Uh, I, I've seen him in person quite a few times. He's done some things for me, and um, I just I, I look up to him, and I'm so appreciative now being 33 and having three kids of my own and a family of what he taught me when I was on his football team that had nothing to do with football. Um, yes, you know, those life guidance moments that Coach Rick provided for all of his players – Uh, really sets him apart from everybody else. And I always tell people this about Coach Rick. The person that you saw on the Monday press conferences and the media, the person that you saw talking on the TV throughout the week, the person that you saw on the sidelines or after the game, Coach Rick was super consistent. That's exactly who he was and he remained that person. And I think that's what made him uh, really resonate with his players, was his authenticity. So I'm still thankful for some of the things that he's taught me. I, I look back on some of the things that he did teach me and I, and I bring him back into my everyday life still. So highly appreciative of coach Rick. No question.
0: Yes, sir. Well, he's obviously we're, we're 15 years old. So we were kind of, I th- I was eight years old when he was fired. Yeah. So I, I remember, I, agree, I remember the early, I remember kind of the latter stage of his career. And I mean, it's all positive memories for me, really. Um, One question I have for you, obviously, you were an All-American punter, but your quarterback is maybe my favorite Georgia Bulldog of all time, Aaron Murray. Obviously, that was the tail end of your career at Georgia, but tell me a little bit about Aaron.
1: Yeah, Aaron's a great guy. You know, I've known Aaron forever. I hosted him with my roommates on his official visit when he decided to come to Georgia. Uh, Obviously, his record speaks for itself as a Bulldog. He holds pretty much every single passing record there is to hold. Uh, During his time at UGA, I think what's really special is that Mike Bobo was his offensive coordinator. They had some pretty prolific offenses back then. Mm -hmm. College football was different uh, in the early 2010s. Uh, And now Coach Bobo is back to being the offensive coordinator at Georgia. He's going to be able to tap his starting quarterback, which I'm really excited to see who comes out of spring camp as kind of the starter, if they even name one of them. I doubt they do. Uh, But Aaron, man, he was ultra consistent. He is one of the toughest competitors I would say that's ever come through Georgia. Uh, He set the standard for what a Georgia quarterback should be, which led to the likes of Jake Fromm, uh, which then led to the likes of Stetson Bennett, uh, and it's brought multiple national championships to Georgia through kind of the foundation that Aaron set.
0: Yes, sir. Well, the other night, me and my partner Russ, we went to the um, Making Touchdown Club, and Kirby Smart was the guest speaker. Um, One thing that really, Russ, didn't stand out to you too, is he said one of the things that he preaches to his team is – you have to be willing to eat off the floor. And, you know, that's something that, you know, it made me laugh and it made it made Russ laugh. But I started – it's really stuck with me the past couple of days and I've thought about it a lot. And I really see how that's applicable to this team last year and how it can be a- applicable to next year's team because you just won a national championship for the first time in 40, 41 years. And so everybody's immediate reaction was next year's team's not going to be – as good they won't go back to back they won't even make the playoffs and just that intensity and that hunger that drove them to go to play even better than they did the year before at 15 and 0 perfect season and a 65 to 7 complete domination in the national title game what do you have to say about that
1: yeah i think one of the most special things about coach kirby smart is that he finds ways to truly motivate his players if you look back at the college football playoff and then the national championship game last year, you know, everybody who's not a Georgia fan was calling Georgia players crazy because they were like, Georgia Bulldogs are saying everybody's thinking they're not that good, nobody thinks they can win, nobody says they should be here. Georgia players were saying that the media was picking them to win six or seven games, but that just simply wasn't the truth at all. I mean, Georgia was a fifteen and a half point favorite in the national championship game. They ended up winning by 58 points mm. and they also took care of Ohio State in one of the greatest college football games ever but I think what's unique about that is that the messages that Kirby sends to the players really resonate uh, and they believe in it he he almost brainwashes these kids for the betterment of the team to get the egos out of the room have everybody put their hand in the pile And that takes somebody really special, and and that's what Kirby Smart is. I think what's unique about that is there's a book. I would highly recommend both of you guys get this book. Read it. It's an easy read. It's called It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Moad. Uh, Trevor Moad was a sport performance psychologist who Georgia and Kirby Smart actually brought to UGA when Kirby first came to Athens. And he's worked with Nick Saban. He's worked with Jimbo Fisher when Jimbo was at Florida State. Uh, Tragically, Trevor passed away about a year and a half ago. But in that book, you'll hear and you'll understand a lot of the things that coaches like Kirby Smart and Nick Saban say in the media. Uh, And one of the things that Coach Saban's been talking about recently, and I've heard Kirby talk about it as well. Trevor writes about it in his book, and it kind of goes to the eating off the floor comment. Is there something called the illusion of choice? And what does that mean? What is the illusion of choice? And Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and Trevor Moad will tell you the illusion of choice is when individuals think that they have a choice in order to get an outcome. And that's not true, right? Trevor Moad writes in the book, he goes, I'll stand in front of a team meeting room and I'll say, if you want to lose weight, what should you eat? And he'll hold up an apple and then he'll hold up a candy bar. Right? You don't have a choice. If you want to lose weight, you have to eat the apple. Okay? You can't eat the candy bar and then say, Oh, well, tomorrow I'm gonna eat two apples. Nick Saban always talks about it. Actions have consequences. You have to wake up and go to class and work out and put the work in and go to study hall and then go to practice and then get in the film room if you wanna be great and if you wanna win championships. So that illusion of choice, when people think that they have a choice, and then they think they can become great, that's what really can affect people from not reaching their goals. Uh, and that "eat off the floor" comment makes it reminds me of that because Kirby Smart saying, "If you want to do what's never been done, you have to be willing to knock yourself back down, eat off the floor, and act like
0: you've never been there." Yes, sir. Well, Russ, you got a question.
2: I think that Kirby Smart is a great coach, and I think uh, the way he preaches a mentality is something special. Um, how do you think Mike Bobo, uh, moving up in the offense coordinator position, how do you think that will work out You know, with, with the two coaches?
1: I think it will work out great. Coach Smart said uh, in his opening spring practice press conference that Todd Munkin, was the first person to tell Kirby Smart, you need to hire Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo should take over this offense. First things first, major credit to Tom Munkin. I mean, what he was able to do and untap the talent, all right, a lot of talent on Georgia's offense to put up the production and win the championships that they did, uh, that's amazing. And Coach Munkin had tons of success at Georgia. I think all Dog fans were a little bit hesitant to see him go, but he wanted to get back to the NFL. So best of luck to him. But Coach Bobo now has an opportunity to work with the talent that he has never had the opportunity to work with, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the fresh slate that he brings the entire offense, right, I'm sure the messaging is every position's up for grabs, maybe for save uh, Brock Bowers, who's one of the best college football players in the country. You know, guys are now even more motivated to say, hey, we've got somebody here who essentially has given us a clean slate. Uh, we can go prove it. We can go move up a spot on the depth chart. Guys like Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, Gunnar Stockton can say, hey, I can go show Coach Bobo that I can run his offense and do what he wants to do better than maybe what Coach Munkin wanted me to do. I think Coach Bobo's going to do great, right? Uh, I've known Coach Bobo forever. He recruited me back in 2007 when you guys might have still been wearing diapers. I was born uh, but that year. Coach Bobo is an ultra-smart guy. I love to hear how Kirby Smart's been giving him a ton of credit. Hey, when we had the best defense ever at Georgia, Coach Bobo was at Auburn and they went down the field for a 15 play drive on the first series. That hadn't happened to us all season. Coach Bobo is smart. Now he's got the talent to pair that brain with, and he's a Georgia Bulldog. Those guys work extra hard to prove it for their alma maters, and that's been evidenced by Kirby Smart.
0: I think, you know, a lot of people in. In the fan base and you look on Twitter and there's a lot of hesitancy surrounding the hiring of Mike Bobo, especially in the beginning. But his offenses at Georgia in the early 2010s, they were ridiculous. And he had – now he had talent, don't get me wrong. He had guys like Aaron Murray and Ty Gurley, Keith Marshall. There was talent there, but you look at that from then compared to now with just the full complete roster. I mean, there's anybody you want on that roster. They have – they're not weak anywhere on offense. They have offensive line, they got running backs, they got tight ends, the best tight end room in the country, and they got receivers.
1: There's no doubt. And, you know, Georgia Bulldog fans that are the greatest in the country, they're extremely passionate. Uh, and that shows up in spades on Twitter. There's no doubt about it. And I kept seeing the comparisons to what Coach Bobo did as a head coach at Colorado State. Well, that does not matter because Coach Bobo is not the head coach at Georgia. And then I keep seeing comparisons about what he did as the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. That was during the COVID year, right? I mean, so -hmm. much about college football was different. He didn't have half the talent that Georgia has on their roster right now. And then, of course, naturally, they're going to compare Coach Bobo to what he did as the offensive coordinator at Auburn. And again, I just don't think that's an apples-to-apples comparison. It is totally different. He is surrounded by so much more elite talent and elite offering that he should be able to pair what he learned under Coach Munkin over the last year, implement it with this offensive strategy in 2023, uh, and Georgia should be just fine.
0: Yes, sir. Well, one more question. Um, You obviously played in the NFL four seasons. Describe to me what your NFL career was like
1: man it was awesome you know being able to, to start every game my rookie season for a franchise like the pittsburgh steelers was unbelievable um you know pittsburgh is one of the most unique cities in all of the nfl steeler fans are undoubtedly top three in the country and i got to play with hall of famers like ben roethlisberger james harrison troy palomalu i got to play with my high school teammate cameron hayward who's still mm-hmm. on the pittsburgh steelers he's an all-pro Uh, And then I was able to finish out my career with the Arizona Cardinals. uh, And we were really, really good, which is awesome. There might not be anything more fun than playing really elite, high-level football and winning week after week in the NFL. We, we, in 2015, went 13-3, it to the NFC Championship game. You know, getting to play with Hall of Famers like Larry Fitzgerald, Carson Palmer, Dwight Freeney, like watching those guys uh, put in the work, get so close to going to the Super Bowl, uh, get excited, make plays in big moments. Uh, the NFL is extremely special. It is a privilege just as playing at a place like Georgia is. Uh, and I'm forever grateful for the time that I got while I was in the league. Um, and I wish I was still playing. Uh, one for the locker room, two for the paychecks. Those were pretty good, boys. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but, sir. Uh, the NFL is awesome, man. And you know, be able, being able to reach that pinnacle, it's something that I – Uh, don't take for granted, uh, and I'm highly appreciative of the foundation that Georgia laid for me to be able to take my game to the next level.
2: Um, Before we go, do you have a welcome to the NFL moment? Like, a moment where you're just like, (laughs) wow.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, seeing James Harrison, Ryan Clark, like the guys who are on ESPN now. Yes, sir. You know, those guys were – They were hard on me because I was a rookie punter. And you got to keep in mind, NFL locker rooms are 53 players, right? College locker rooms are 125. It's just so much bigger. It's so much younger. You know, I'm 21, 22 years old walking into this NFL locker room, um, and there's 50 other guys in there. And they're like, who the hell is this dude from Georgia? Uh, He's a punter. You know, you got to earn your way into that respect, you know, Later on in my career, if you wanted to call it my welcome to the NFL moment, uh, even though I had plenty in my rookie year in Pittsburgh, uh, I tackled Devin Hester. Uh, It was Thanksgiving week. We played the Atlanta Falcons. I was with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Hit a great punt. Hester did what he did. I tackled Hester. He did not score a touchdown. Uh, Eric Weems got called for holding. The special teams coordinator got called for personal foul because he was on the field screaming at the ref. Uh, everybody was high-fiving me on the feet, on the bench afterwards because I saved the touchdown. They got the two penalties. Then the Falcons missed a field goal, so there were no points on the board. I was like, wow, that was awesome. Um, and then I got fined on Tuesday because my hand got caught up in Hester's face mask, and I got fined by the NFL. That sucked. Uh, mm.
2: That was a welcome to the NFL moment. But, again, Devin Hester didn't score, so there you go. Man. Wrap it up. That, that's something there. <laughs> <laughs> Think you made a good play and you end up being fined.
1: Yeah, what's up with that, man?
0: <laughs> and you're a punter too. I mean, that's and that's the greatest return man of all time. You just tackled.
1: Hey, I tackled him, right? Yes, and he sir. He didn't score, so I can't be on that highlight reel, which is all good.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, sir. All well, right. thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Drew. We enjoyed it.
1: All right, boys. Appreciate you guys and go dogs.
0: Yes, sir. Well, that's going to be it. You wrap it up, Russ.
2: That's going to be it for today's episode. We'll see you all next week, and we'll have a special guest on. Not sure who it is quite yet. Working on it. But we're working on it. Thank you.